0: I don't mean, it. it has come together the way that I wanted it to, but I think uh, it points out some things that I think maybe we need to be reminded of. It's not things that you don't know or I don't know. Not things that, um, um, as we think about the last year and how crazy it has been and all of the many things that we have to deal with, Uh, in our own personal lives, between the sicknesses that are uh, plaguing us at this time and the uh, government changes that we are going through, and all of the many things that uh, we are inundated with on our radios, on our TVs, messages on our phones, iPads, any other way that someone can feed you the information that they want you to hear. So I've entitled the lesson, Choose You This Day, Whom You Will Serve. And our, our text is Joshua, the 24th chapter in verse 15, where he said, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, as we think about, Hey, by that you just wonder, can it get any weirder? Can it get any crazier?: can it If it we' about all of the things, and we couldn't even watch a, a TV show or, or read a good book without hearing something about all the things going on, then we got hit with a virus. And at first, you know, I'll just be honest with you. A lot of people said this is purely political. There's no validity to it at all. You know, I didn't see any reason to wear a mask. I didn't didn't see any reason to pay any attention of it. Go live your life and do what you do. And then I started getting all these messages that Brent puts out. Thank goodness he keeps us up on what's going on with everybody. And somebody's sick. And then somebody else is sick. And then somebody else is sick, and then somebody dies, and then someone else dies, and they're people we care about. They're making a big deal out of this. You know what? If it's strep throat and somebody dies, it's, it's a big deal to us, isn't it? If someone we care about dies, it doesn't matter what kills them. It becomes much more focused and much more important. And so we've had all of these things going on. It's been a very crazy time over the last four years, especially this year. You know, the media was telling us that total chaos was upon us. They've tried to make us we not used to that, are we? Those are not times that we've lived in in this country. We have not had that. of authoritarian were told we had to conform in that way. And so we had all of these different emotions. We had all of these different questions and can they really do that and what, what's going on? And so we had all of these things that we were thinking about in rational ways on our own and then we were told that our, our leader conspired with Russia he was a Stalinist, and he sought absolute power. And all this was a firestorm, and it got everybody riled up, and there were two sides on every story, but everybody was in the, in the dogfight, if you will, now. Others had said that he was Adolf Hitler himself, and he would start World War III if he was allowed to continue. And yet others said he is worse than Mao Zedong. Our media declared that he was a friend to dictators such as Kim Jong North Korea. And like, on the other hand, many would say we know he is rude and he is crude and he cusses too much, but he is trying to bring wrapped up in this. He's terrible, he's good. He's what we need. He's not what we need. He's not what we want. He is what we want. They actually almost had a fist fight at a family gathering around the table. They were divided. And the person I'm talking about said, you know, I knew my brother was a fireball, but I never knew he would get violent. And they just did. They just got right up in the middle of that table and just about went to blows. So now it appears that leadership will change for the next four years. And many have decried. They cheated, therefore the election is invalid. Many politicians in the last few days or even weeks have sent me emails begging for more money to fight the injustice. And I know you've received them too. I'm so sick of them, I'm ready for it to be over. want my money. I've got to help them save the world. We have been told... And I've even heard some in the church say, all is lost. There will be no future for our kids. We will be in super... And cease to exist. Others have said, well, civil war will break out because there is no hope of reconciliation. So, again, total chaos. No clear cut path to what is right and what is wrong. Now, I ask you have you or I made any of these statements? Any of these things go through our mind? Any of these questions? Uh, bothered us while we were at home pondering? Have we thought like this over the last year? Have any of these ideas been things that that we would uh, be frustrated with? And again, did you believe that the COVID virus was just a political thing? Or do you now know someone who died from it? Do I think it can be both? I do. And so do probably most of you. So what we need is a perspective based on facts. Of course, that's what you need, need is a perspective based on facts and not the media of choice. Because I would submit to you, there's not a media outlet out there In some way, large or anything in between. So let's look at some facts about history for a moment. And a lot of this again, are things that you may be somewhat familiar with and not, not totally uh, oblivious to. When they've made reference many times, is like side, it gets to the point where nobody even thinks that's a big deal. It's not even really uh, a good insult. Adolf Hitler was a leader of the Nazi party in Germany back in the 40s. He was responsible for between 6 and 36 million people being killed, whether you count those that were killed in World War II or whether you don't. That means So, handicapped, physically disabled, gypsies, Christians, and most importantly, those who would disagree politically with him were exterminated. What about Joseph Stalin? Stalin was a Russian leader. He also killed between six and nine million people, or he was the he was the one that gave the order to have them killed. <laughs> Mao Zedong was a Chinese leader who was responsible for at least 40 million deaths in the space of four years. Think about 40 million. You know, we see uh, cities around us are not even a half a million in size. And that would be as if Lubbock and Amarillo both and a few other cities. Or out the only one that's been alive in my lifetime that we've mentioned is Kim Jong Un. All of these others died before I was born. Kim Jong Un was executed. He executed 340 people in six years, but it is said that hundreds of thousands of his people starve to death in his country every year because they don't have food. Do any of these Instances we just read about resemble anything like what we have today. Okay. Do, we have Do we have one the street because they don't have something to eat? Are there politicians on either side of the aisle that are this ruthless? You know, I think about Saddam Hussein, and I actually watched a documentary, and he walked into parliament. He walked up to his very best friend in the whole world. He pulled out his military semi-automatic pistol, stuck it to his head and cried like a baby and shot. He killed everybody that was near and dear to him because they might turn on him. He was that paranoid. Now, with all of these things being thrown around in the media, I think when we look at the facts, we are much better off than what they would have us believe. So let's look at a few more things to gain some perspective. The years, for three years of my life, which began in 1969, During that time, there were also 14 years where Republicans controlled both houses of Congress. So basically about uh, one president difference in how long they, they had it. Democrats have held the Senate 30 years of my life and the House 31 years of my life. Republicans have held the Senate for 21 years of, uh, of my years and the House for 20 years. Isn't that interesting? That both sides have an opportunity to party control of both houses for at least part of their time in office. Jimmy Carter was known as a a very religious man. He was affiliated with a certain group of Christians. He had both House and Senate the entire time he was in office, four years. Bill Clinton had one year where he had both House and Senate. George Bush got four years of having control of both House and Senate while in, in the presidency. Obama got two years, and Trump got Two years. All of these control to make you in our country. During my pre- my lifetime, the office of president has been held by three Democrats and six Republicans. As you can see, during my lifetime, both parties have had ample opportunities to quote-unquote fix things the way they see that they should. Both sides have had times when they held both Congress and the presidency and could have made great strides in improving their country. But along the way, they chose not to for this reason or that. Now, don't get me wrong. I am a patriotic person. I have no qualms with my government. I want you to understand that. That's not what this is about. It's about putting perspective on what you and I have been fed for the last 12 months or even longer, being told how bad one side or the other was or how it was. You worry about what the future will hold. But I would submit to you that the U.S. has done its very best during times of trial and tribulation. When people forgot about who would get the credit and they rolled up their sleeves and they helped one another, we saw the true American rise to the top again. Where fellow man helped fellow man. And it didn't matter their race, it didn't matter their political affiliation. It only mattered that they needed help. We have seen the best come out in people during hurricanes and earthquakes. Even some of our uh, folks that we know at times have been involved in rescuing those that needed rescuing. And we saw church members put their life on the line, put their assets on the line to go out and help people that they did not know, that they had never seen, but they knew they needed help. When I left, what happened next I still remember walking into my living room I, before I did I was out. I got time to watch TV he said you need to turn your TV on I said dad I've got a big order I've got to get out I need he said turn your TV on and I turned my TV on and I watched an airliner crash into a hospital high- and I, was not that. and I watched what was going on. And then I would go out and work a while. And then I'd come back and watch just to make sure I didn't... It wasn't a scam or something. Some kind of fluke deal trying to freak us all out. Because I, And then all the planes... I think some 300 planes in the area were grounded. We had F-16s flying over us. It got real... And it got real, real fast, didn't it, as we wondered what was happening. I would submit to you that if you are counting on government intervention or new legislation will save you from all this wrong the world, you'll be greatly disappointed throughout your lifetime. I I used to be a political uh, goot. I really liked it. I really liked researching it, looking at it. And, you know, they've made it completely... The truth doesn't matter anymore. To the point you have to realize that these are not the people that you want to base your happiness or your life or anything about your life upon sometimes we get to thinking a government run by those who believe in god would be ideal that it would make so much difference it would be so much better if we just had god-fearing people that would get control of the government things that need be done i want us to look at a few scriptures this morning along this line If you would turn with me over to Matthew twenty-six, the first five verses. Jesus told that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. "...then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people under the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him." So here we have what is known as God's chosen people, the Jews, and they had their government. They actually had a separate government from the Roman Empire, and they had certain things that fell under their jurisdiction and they could, for the most part, have things the way they wanted it. And now we see a time where Jesus has come and he, it was prophesied that he would turn the whole world upside down and we see no doubt that these Jews think he has. They are upset, they don't like what he's teaching, but they cannot handle it. They cannot defy the truth, they cannot go against him, in a logical conversation, and make any headway. So at this point, they're beside themselves. We have to rid ourselves of this Jesus. So the leaders of God's chosen people are now conspiring to kill God's Son. Turn over, verse 57. where the scribes and the elders were assembled. So now they're physically restraining Jesus. They have physically taken Him and grabbed hold of Him, and they are forcing Him to go with them. He's not resisting, but they are doing this to Him. Now I want you to imagine for a minute if, if Tyson and Paul and Jeremy decided that something needed to be done with Charles Mooney, so we just manhandled him. We just grabbed hold of him. We just escorted him right out here to the back room to the elders. Be a little unsettling, wouldn't it? For me and Tyson and Jeremy, for Charles. Maybe even for the elders if they didn't know he's coming. This is everyone here's supposed to want what's best for God, for God's people, for their families. For the future of, of religion in their in their life, and this is what's going on. Now let's read, starting in verse fifty nine. Says now that, against Jesus, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus. unto him, Thou hast said, He is a man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, you have heard his blasphemy. What is he? He is guilty of death. So they went through all the man. There was a lot of false witnesses that came, and they were going through them, and none of them had a good enough story that they could really make it stick. They were having a problem finding somebody, but then they found ah, oh, we got him. That's kind of a terrorist threat, isn't it? Wouldn't we say that if if someone was going down to Austin was gonna say they could, then they say I can tear down the Capitol and I can build it back in three days. That's that's the way they used that. They knew that wasn't what he was talking about, but they used that. And they said, oh, okay. And then he admitted to being the Son of God, who they already knew. He had claimed that. He had already proven that by the miracles that he had done. And yet they use it against him. And he says, I adjure thee by the living God high priest, adjured him by the living God so that he could kill him. See how twisted this is? Now remember, we wanted a government by God-fearing people, and this is supposed to be God's chosen people for the last so many hundreds, and th- uh, hundreds or thousands of years, and now they're twisting things in the name of God Almighty to kill His Son. So things can get pretty out of kilter pretty fast, can't they? Now there's only one problem. They were not allowed to give the death penalty under their own authority. They could could say he was worthy of death, but they couldn't kill him. So they had, to go, they had to do something else. They had to go outside of their authority. And in John 18 and verse 31, they, they appealed to Pilate. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. And the Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. So by law, they didn't have that authority. So now they're taking him to Pilate. They're taking him to a Roman government entity, the governor, and they want him to take care of this, to finish this up for them so that they can be done with Jesus once and for all. Now as we turn back over to, uh, to, or over to Luke 23 and read the first five verses, it says, And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him, and he said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee, to this place. So they're before Pilate, and they they want Pilate to uh, decide whether or not he can put Jesus to death. And right off the bat, they said he's perverting the nation, and he's forbidden to give tribute to Caesar. Now, if you would have been teaching people not to pay tribute to Caesar, you'd have been killed in a second. You, everyone around you, your family, you would have all been exterminated immediately because Caesar didn't put up with people not paying their gold to him. That's one thing the Romans were very clear about. You will pay your taxes. So they brought out the big gun right off the bat. They bring the most serious thing they could bring. Hey, he's telling people not to pay their taxes. They're not, don't pay Caesar. Don't take care of him. I'm the king. But what did Pilate do? I find it very interesting that he didn't just fall into that and say, okay, well, if he said that, let's get him dead by, by an hour or two. No, he asked him some questions, and then he turned around and said, I don't find any fault in him. Ain't that amazing? The accusation was he's insulting Caesar. He's refusing to pay him his gold, and he's teaching others to do that. And he can actually, in a few minutes, decipher from talking to Jesus He says, I I don't find any fault in him. Not only did he not find death penalty, he didn't find any fault. I would submit to you that he knew it was a lie. It was so outrageous. It was so egregious. It was something that no doubt the Romans would have heard about long before now. If that had been taught, someone would have come and told them. They would have sent military personnel to deal with that situation. And he had heard none of that. And I would submit to you, he knew it was a lie. And that's why he said he didn't find any fault in him. Something that egregious would not go past all of Rome and all of the Roman soldiers and all of the tax collectors and everyone that would have reported to Rome if something this egregious had been going on. But remember, these are God's chosen people that are hurling these accusations. And now they're using a worldly government and trying to turn it against Jesus as well. Let's read verses 6 through 9. It says, When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. So here's Herod, and he's like, all right, man, I've been, I've been hearing about this guy. He's coming before me. I want, to see some, I want to see some tricks. You know, that's really what he would have thought it was. I want to see this. He's he's better than all the magicians I got. I want to see what he'll do. And so he starts asking Jesus questions, and he just sits there and he doesn't answer him. He doesn't say anything. So, you know, I imagine that made uh, Herod somewhat disappointed that he didn't get what he wanted. But he does go before Herod, and this makes Herod glad that that Pilate sent him. And in verse 10, it says, And the chief priests, and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. So again, we've got Herod being excited about seeing some miracles that he would have thought were magician tricks, because he's not a believer. He's he's an evil man. Uh, What's going on? and God's chosen attack and make all kinds of accusations against Jesus in a Roman court of law. They're after Him, and they don't care what it takes. In the name of God, they are going to get Jesus. So in verses 11 and 12, it says, And Herod with his men of war set him at naught, and they mocked him, and they arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and they sent him again to Pilate. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. So here we have two guys that are kind of the same authority, different areas that they have of their own. They've been at odds. They got mad at each other over something. We don't know what it was, but they were at odds with each other. So Pilate used over between these two, and they were friends once again. And you know, this is something we might expect from a corrupt court system. We, we hear sometimes the good old boy system, you know, you do something for me, I do something for you, and we all get along, something like that. But we would expect that from these guys, right? We would not expect that from people that claim to be godly. Now look at verses 13 through 16. It says, And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, and the people, he said unto them, "Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having exam- examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. He found no fault. He looked at the accusations that they made, that God's people made, calling on the name of God. He looked at those things and he says, I see nothing worthy of death. He said, let me chastise him and I'll just release him. And we know that they were not happy with that. And so down in verse 22, we see that he tries again. And he said unto them the third time, why do you want to crucify him? What evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will, therefore, chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. So we know that he, he cast out Barabbas to them because that's who they wanted. They wanted to kill Jesus. You let Barabbas go. He's, he's in there for insurrection. He's in there for murder. Not a good person. Not a good situation to be letting one of these guys go for anybody involved, including the Jews. And yet that's what they wanted. After the howling mob of God's people threatened the governor, Pilate, He finally gives them what they want and sentences Jesus to death. So we need to be careful what we wish for. A governing body of supposed God-fearing men lied, bribed, extorted, and threatened in order to put an innocent man to death. And they succeeded, and Jesus was crucified. So when we read these accounts, it seems as though the godly men, quote-unquote, are acting very ungodly. And the secularists, who were not God-fearing, were trying to get to the bottom of what was going on. They were trying to decide a court case, much like we would see today in in, in our own city. Is that what we want? Do we want someone to have that kind of control? that when something is threatening them, that they would go to these kind of extreme things to keep their power and keep it where they want it? What about, have you ever heard of the Crusades, where thousands upon thousands were killed in the name of religion? What about the Gospel of Muhammad, which was basically convert or die? Sounds real sincere, doesn't it? You can either convert or we can chop your head off. It's up to you. Does that happen today in the world? It certainly does, and we see it from time to time when it's talked about. What about modern-day India, where we have a, a government controlled by one religious entity who makes it hard on anyone who is not of their religion? Sounds like a good alternative. Is it one that we would want to trade for? I would submit to you that there is no government who can save us from the ills of society. They cannot bring you back to life or give you eternal life. Only Jesus can. I want you to know this morning that we have a Savior who came to earth to feel and experience being wronged, being ridiculed, being spit upon, being violently beat and tortured, to near death, and then hung upon a cross to die. Jesus came to feel the love of his followers, to feel friendship and loss, to feel betrayal, to help you and I understand a better way of life with the promise of eternal life. Jesus walked on water. He calmed the seas. He healed the sick. And he caused the blind to see. And most importantly, he made sure that the gospel was preached to the whole world. He offered a better way to every human that has walked upon this earth who has been born here, who has had trials and tribulations to deal with, irregardless of where they were born or what government they were under. He gave them hope like no other. He gave them peace that could not be compared. And He made promises before He left. In John 14, to 3 He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you unto Myself, that where I am... There you may be also. He promised you and I a place in his family. You know, there's some people don't have family. They don't have people on this earth to rely on that are blood kin. They may not have a church home where their family increases tenfold and they have many to depend on. He promises that in his house there's many mansions he said, when I come back, I'm going to bring you home. I'm going to let you sit at my table, live in my houses, and be with me where I'll take care of you for all eternity. Matthew 11 and verse 28, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus offers you that this morning. You know, this last year has been rough. It's been filled with a lot of turmoil in our lives, a lot of frustration, a lot of fear of sickness, a lot of fear of what the government's going to do, a lot of fear of everything. And if we listen to all that and we lose our peace and our hope that Jesus gave us, then we are of all men most miserable. So I say to you this morning, choose you this day whom you will serve. Will it be the governments of this land? Or will it be God Almighty who gives you so much and asks in return so little? If you have a need that the church can help you with this morning, we want to do that. We want to be here with you and for you. We can offer prayer on your behalf. We can offer a shoulder to cry on. We can do what we can do to fix things that are out of control in your life. If you haven't started your walk with Jesus, we want you to do that today. We have a, bab- a baptistry full of water. We have the opportunity right here and now or this afternoon or whatever's convenient for you to allow you to start that walk with Jesus, to become a Christian, and know that He will take care of you. We offer, we offer this to you and we ask you to come as we stand and sing.